off a long spate of time. Titus chapter 2, tonight I'll be preaching about the young women. I turned the Bible, boy, I saw some people grimace just then. We're going to preach what's in the Bible. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of in the Bible. Nothing to be afraid of in the Bible. And uh, we ought to embrace what's in the Bible. And I, I can tell you right now, if the world would run things by the Bible, we'd have a whole lot better world. That's right. That's right. Now, this morning, this morning, what I'm going to do is I told you, I'm going to start probably a series. I don't even know I'm going to name it except it about Jesus. I'm going to preach on Jesus for several weeks on Sunday morning, uh, unless God changes the direction on that day. So, um, if you would, we're going to have nine stops in our Bible this morning. We're going to turn to nine places. And so, I want you to have your Bible. I want you to look at it because I know there's a lot of stuff. We are, well, we already know who Jesus is. He's the Savior of all men. He's, the, he's God manifest in the flesh. But I want you to look in your Bible and I want you to see um, Jesus and I want you to contemplate. I want you to think about him. How many of you think we'd be a whole lot better off if we thought more about Jesus and less about ourselves? Less about the world. That would keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's a great promise. But it's also a promise that only works if you put it into practice. And what we want to do is we want to try and looking at this series about Jesus, not necessarily create something new, but to see what's already in the Bible about him. Hebrews chapter 7, if you'll put a mark there, and then Exodus chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 7, Exodus chapter 12. And I'm marking my Bible with you right now. And then when you get Hebrews chapter 7 and Exodus chapter 12 marked, if you'll find 1 Peter chapter 1. You say that's three places. That's exactly right. No opportunity to check your phone now, is it? Amen. Exodus 12, Hebrews 7, and 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, I want to begin in the book of, of Hebrews, and I want to notice what God says about Jesus Christ in chapter 7, very specifically, particularly. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, We'll begin in verse number 23, and, and they truly were many priests, speaking about the Old Testament, the Jews, that they had many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. In other words, there was one priest after another because they all died. That's without exception. Didn't matter what their last name was, didn't matter what their first, didn't matter what their accomplishment was, they all died, verse number 24. But this man because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood. We had a priest that stepped out, and you know what? He's an eternal priest, amen. He, doesn't have a, he died on the cross, rose again. Verse 24, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. In other words, he has the ability by the sacrifice he offered that because he's an eternal priest, then now we're saved to the uttermost. And I want you to notice, underlining your Bible, that word there, that come unto God by him. You know, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You cannot get to heaven by the church. You can only get to heaven by Jesus Christ. If you're going to come to God, you've got to do it by him. Verse number 26, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, 
undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Now, that's my text. If I was a Bible college student, I would underline three points of alliteration in there that are perfect, and maybe four, verse 26, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, in the last phrase, higher than the heavens. The Bible says that he is, for such a high priest became us who is holy. Jesus Christ was not holy. Jesus Christ is holy. And what that means is he's without sin, but he's consecrated unto God. There is more to Christ's righteousness than just being separated from sin. It is something that has been pleasing unto God. And then he says, the Bible says that he's harmless. Well, I thought about preaching a whole series on that, a whole message on that right there. Harmless. Something that is harmless is something you can trust. Something that will not injure you. Have you ever had somebody say of their dog, oh, he won't bite? You ever heard that? But in the back of your mind, you're wondering, yeah, but that's not my dog. That's your dog. <laughs> and and uh, Something that is harmless will not injure you, will not hurt you, will not abuse you. The world has the idea about Christianity and about Christ. If I get saved, he's going to hurt me. He's going to injure me. He's going to take these things away from me. He's going to make me do these things. I'm here to say this morning, I agree with the scripture. Jesus Christ is harmless. Amen. He's not here to hurt. He's here to help. And then he's higher than the heavens. That means he's exalted above everything else. He's highly exalted. He has a name above every name. I'd like you in your mind, pick out the most important person you can think of in the world. Hopefully it's not yourself. Most important person in the world that you think you could name, this individual. Jesus Christ towers above that individual. The Bible says that God hath highly exalted him. If God would exalt Jesus Christ, are you listening to me? We ought to exalt Jesus Christ. Maybe I ought to say it this way. I think I don't have everybody's attention. If you talk more about your favorite athletic team and less about Jesus Christ, you got things out of order. You know I'm an Alabama fan, but I'm telling you right now, I talk a whole lot more about Jesus than I talk about Alabama. In fact, I very, I very rarely talk about Nick Saban at all because he's got a foul mouth. Right. I don't want to exalt and have my, my, my young people of the church or, or my son think, well, hey, that's a hero. I, having a foul mouth is okay. Hey, you can exalt Jesus Christ and never worry about the bad example for your children because his is nothing but a good example. Amen. So he's highly exalted, highly exalted. Now, that's what the Bible says about Jesus. But then the Bible says, if you look at the phrase, separate from sinners. That's a big distinction. And for that, we need to take and go to Exodus now. Let me show you why that's important. In Exodus chapter 12, the Bible speaks about the children of Israel and the Egyptians facing the judgment of God. There is going to be a destroyer that comes through the entire land and is going to kill the firstborn child in every household. Now, to put that in perspective, how many of you are the firstborn child? Would you raise your hand? That means you and I are going to die. 
But God gives a remedy for that. And what he tells the children of Israel and the, the Egyptians could have done the same. He says, what I want you to do is, verse number three, I want you to take every man a lamb, verse four, if the household be too little for the lamb, let him uh, and his neighbor next unto his house, according to, it, to the number of the souls, every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, ye shall keep it up into the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. That's the Passover. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side post and the upper doorpost of the house wherein they shall eat it. Now, you know the story. He goes on later on, great song that we sing. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. But it took a lamb. The only way judgment was going to be taken and pushed back, the only way to hold back the destruction coming was the blood of a lamb, but not just the blood of a lamb, very particularly, look in verse number five, your lamb shall be without blemish. It had to be a, a lamb that was without blemish, a male of the first year. So when we read about Jesus being separate from sinners, think about that for a moment. What they would have to do, they would have to go out into their flock of sheep or their neighbor's flock. And they would have to find a lamb that was without blemish. It couldn't have some imperfection. It couldn't have a broken leg, one shorter than the other. It, it couldn't have something displaced on its body that was not normal or natural. It couldn't have a blemish on it. It had to be without blemish. And you would think... Something like that would be very prized. I knew a man in Ardmore, Alabama that raised black Angus cattle. And that, those cattle that he had, they had their DNA. They had which, which other cows and heifers and bulls they came from. And some of those cattle, they, they were worth six figures because of their, their bloodline. And they would take and they would pull those aside. Now, every now and then they would have something that wasn't exactly normal. Maybe it, was, maybe it was designed just a little bit differently, and they would sell those at a much cheaper price, but those prized animals that were without blemish, those were kept. Well, he's saying, you go into that flock of yours, and you take out a lamb without blemish. He cannot have a blemish on him. A lamb without blemish. Amen. Now, they took that blood, and they put it on the side post, and they put it on the lintel. You know, you can't miss the picture, can you? If I were to do that to this pulpit, if this were a door and I were to put it on the, on the lintel and then I were to put it on the side post, well, you can see the picture that that creates. Go with me now then to 1 Peter. Follow me there now. 1 Peter, a very valuable offering that they were about to make. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 in the Bible speaking about Jesus Christ. Well, there was a day... John the Baptist was baptizing at the Jordan River and he looked up and he saw somebody he knew but he didn't recognize him the way he usually did. He saw Jesus Christ walking and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And I want you to look how he's described here, if you would, with me in verse number 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, you can't buy your way to heaven, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
In other words, the Bible declares Jesus to be that same Passover lamb. The Bible says he is our Passover in the book of Corinthians, that Jesus was that lamb that was without blemish. There were no imperfections in Jesus. Maybe I ought to say it this way. He was altogether lovely. Altogether lovely. There was no imperfection in him. But there's another word added that I want you to see here. He's without blemish. And look at it now. Without, can you say the word for me? Let's try that again. But it, with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without what? No spot. Blemish is one thing. Short leg, broken leg, crooked back. But now it's without spot. And when you look up the word spot in a dictionary, a spot is a mark. It, it is a stain, it is a speck, it is something that can take place from splattering. I had, we had golden retrievers and they always had golden retrievers until I agreed to, anyway, we always had golden retrievers. And they're very bad to get what is called a hot spot. They get cancer and then they have hot spots. And that spot, that dog will lick that spot and lick that spot and it will, that spot will not go away and it's something that, that does not look very good, but it is there. It, it is something that is, it is a mark on that dog. And the Bible says that Jesus was a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now with that in mind, go back to Hebrews chapter seven and I want you to think about this for a minute. That means this, that, and here's, here's, here's the title of my message. We have, are you listening to me? We have a spotless Savior. We have a spotless Savior. There's no spot there. If you look again, he's described in verse number 26, separate from sinners. He's separate from sinners. You know, there's a lot of God's people that are too comfortable around sinners. He's separate from sinners. He makes sinners uncomfortable. He was one of those people, there was no sin in him. The Bible speaks about that very thing. He was tempted in all points as we yet without sin. The Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin. First John said with no sin in him. And when you look at it in the Bible, the spot that is emphasized most often in the scriptures is leprosy. Leprosy was a spot and that spot had different colorations sometimes, different locations. But if that spot were to show up in a person, that man or that woman or that child had to go to the priest and the priest would have to look. And there's very plain directions about determining what that spot was. Is it leprosy? Because if it's leprosy, now that person has to be taken and removed outside of the camp. It, that person, it, mother, doesn't matter. 12 children, doesn't matter. Husband, breadwinner of the family, doesn't matter. Child, 12 years of age, doesn't matter. When that person was found with a spot, they had to be removed out of the camp. They were outcast because it was a spreading disease. It was something that spread. It's something that worked underneath the skin and it damaged the nerve endings. People would begin to lose their digits. Fingers fall off. Ears fall off. A nose falls off. It's, it's, it is a disease that is much like sin. Are you, are you listening to me? Sin works underneath. You're not listening to me. No, some of y'all not listening to me because you, you have an idea that sin is something that nobody knows about what your sin is and what you're doing and you're all right because you haven't gotten caught. Sin works underneath the skin. 
Sin is at work when nobody else knows it's at work. The Bible says sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And are you listening? It just takes one spot. That's why you ought to keep your mind pure. That's why you ought to be careful about what goes into your heart. You ought to be careful because that one spot then made that whole man a leper. The same thing's true of sin. Somebody says, well, I'm a good man and I've never committed adultery. I've never drank alcohol. You know, the Bible says if you've sinned in one point that you've broken the whole law, if you've ever told one lie, you know what you are? You're a sinner. It works under the skin and it deadens. That's why people get comfortable with sin. Oh, my soul. Wouldn't you say that our society is comfortable with sin? We are comfortable with things that would have never been spoken about 50 years ago. I mean, people would have blushed, been embarrassed to pick up a newspaper and read what was in there, to hear what's talked about openly on television. Sin today is something that people aren't ashamed of. I cannot believe that we're going to send a couple to the, to the Olympics and the man is, is, is taking and saying, I'm so proud that I'm non-binary. Wrote a whole article about that trying to pave the way for all those that come behind me to shed these chains of, of being either a male or female. And, and, and he's being cheered for that. And, and people are saying, oh, what a great position he's taking. And what a great, you know what I think? I think we've gotten so comfortable with sin, we've lost our mind. Amen. Lost our mind. We're debating on whether or not a man that used to swim for a, a swim team at, at Princeton or, or wherever it was, Brown, Harvard, Yale, one of those, that now he's swimming for the women's team. And we're saying, well, you know, it's just not fair now. He's beating all the women. Well, sure he is because he's a man. Amen. Yeah, but I identify as a woman. Well, you can identify as whatever you want to identify, but you were born something biologically one way or the other. And what I'm saying is we get so used to that today. It's promoted in every phase of society. Drinking today is promoted as a very enjoyable pastime. Nothing wrong having a beer watching the Super Bowl. I completely disagree. The Bible speaks about you're not even to look upon the wine when it moves itself or right in the cup. You're not even supposed to look at it. They finally did a study in Britain. Britain is eaten up with drunkenness. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have said alcoholism. No, actually, I think I like the Bible term better, drunkenness. Wrote an article because you hear people say, well, a glass of wine is good for your heart. You know what they said? They did a study and they unequivocally said there is no value in drinking alcohol. It is only negative results. So you young people... And you see somebody with a beard in their hand, somebody on TV, which you probably shouldn't be watching, and you think, well, they're cool, and look how, look how strong they are. <laughs> well, just go ahead and X off a little bit of your brain, X off a little bit of your liver, X off a little bit of, add a little blood pressure problem. We're comfortable with it. We're comfortable with foul language. People today don't know how to talk anymore because their, their heart is full of cursing. And so they curse every other word. I'm amazed to see girls. If, if you're a young lady, don't curse. Cursing as a young lady doesn't make you part of society. It just makes you dirty. And all I'm just saying is there is so much of that today. There's so much filth that's out there. And yet the Bible says about Jesus that he's separate from sinners. He was, he was a friend of sinners and he called the sinners and he received and he ate with sinners. But he was not a sinner. He was separate from sinners. He was a spotless lamb. 
Not one curse word in Jesus Christ. Not one vile thought in his mind. Ne never, never crossed his mind. No adulterous thinking towards someone that, that was not part of his family. There was nothing perverted about him. He would, hey, are you listening to me? We have a Savior that is incomparable. He was without spot. On this side, you have all the sinners of the human race just throw in every pope, every pastor, throw in Confucius, throw in Muhammad, throw, just put them all in the same bucket. They're all sinners. And on this side, you got one, and that one, the man, Jesus Christ, he's spotless. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> he's a spotless Savior. Not one spot in him you couldn't find. Not, not just a, without blemish, but without spot. You say, why is that important? Well, you think about that. If you were without spot, that would be a pretty, pretty valuable place to be. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke for just a minute. Let me show you something remarkable about that then. He's separate from sinners. He has no spot in him anywhere. None. Look at Luke chapter 5. So I see this spotless Savior, and yet this spotless Savior <laughs> is willing to touch things that are filthy. Now, don't you think about that a minute. There are people that don't want to get out in the mud or the rain because they don't want to get spots on them, they don't want to get splattered. They have clothes that they're trying to be careful. I'll tell you right now, doors open up, that bride comes down, they have looked that dress over. If it's white, we don't want a spot on it. Careful about where we walk because we want that thing to be spotless. Very careful about touching things. Look what Jesus does, though. He's willing to touch that which is filthy. In, in Luke chapter 5, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy type of sin, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. This man is full of leprosy. He's, it's, full, it's, it's covering his body. It, it's, it's just, it fills his life, and he's desperate enough that he falls on his face, and he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. There are people that are like, like that. Their lives are eaten up with sin. The Bible talks about having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Their life is eaten up with filth, and they know it. And let, look what Jesus does, though, in verse 13. And he put forth his hand, and can you say those next two words? He touched a leper. Oh, my goodness. He touched somebody that was sick. Full of leprosy. Not somebody that had a spot. Somebody that's got spots all over him. Jesus Christ went over. And when that man said, if you want to, you can make me clean. And he's on his face. And Jesus reaches down and he touches him. I'm telling you right now, your life may be full of sin. You may have drinking problems, cursing problems. You may have morality problems. You may have mental problems. You may have, listen, your life may be fully covered up with sin. I'm going to tell you something. There's a Savior in heaven who's spotless that's willing to reach down and touch somebody that's covered up in spots. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> that is not typical of the world. 
If you hold a high place, you're not going to get down with the common people. There's going to be a degree of separation. Hey, he may be separate from sinners, but he's willing to reach down where sinners are and to touch their life. And that means in the bar, that means in the drug house, in the halfway house, that means in every place that you can find sin, you can find the Savior. <laughs> Somebody, nobody, listen, are you, nobody else wanted to touch him. You understand that? That man walked up. I'm telling you right now, there wasn't anybody else standing around. Because when they saw him walking up, they all started backing up because that guy is full of, I can see it, he's full of it. He's probably got a cloth over his mouth, hands are wrapped up, trying to hide the fingers that have fallen off. His clothes probably have all kinds of rags tied on them, soaked with the, 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 the filth from that disease. And as he's walking up, people are walking away. They don't want to have anything to do with that. God help, us, are you, God help us as a church never to have an idea that a sinner is not welcome inside of this place. You know what? Sinners are welcome to come and get born again. Now, once you get born again, you ought to act different. You ought to live different. But I'm, listen, because they have tattoos up and down their arm, they have a different color of hair, they have clothes that are broken down, they've got a heart broken. God help us never, ever to be one of those people who say, I don't have anything to do with that right there because we got a Savior that's willing to touch people that are down there. In fact, I have a suspicion. If he wasn't willing to do that, some of y'all wouldn't be here this morning, would you? Right. If he wasn't willing to reach down into the pit, you wouldn't be sitting here with a Bible shouting about Jesus' goodness. Right. He was willing to touch us. Look, look, look at another thing. <clears throat> chapter 8. We'll just keep turning a few pages. Chapter 8. Look at verse number 54. Well, actually, we'll go back and just for context. Verse 43 speaks about a woman that has an issue of blood. Above that, it speaks about a young girl, for he had only one daughter about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying, 12-year-old dying. Dying of what? Don't know. Must be a pretty strong disease to die of it at 12 years of age. Verse number 52, And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. Verse 53, They laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead, and he put them all out and took her by the hand, and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway. He touched a dead body. He touched something that was cold and dead to the point that they told Jesus, Don't worry, she's already gone. It, it's, it's over. And yet Jesus Christ goes in there and he says, the Bible says he took her by the hand. You know, that's a great, great study. If you'll read when, when Jesus takes people by the hand, there's only one direction that they go. There's only one direction. When Jesus takes somebody by the hand, this is always the direction they go. It's always up. Can I say this to you? When you take your hand out of the hand of somebody always is taking you up and you put it in the hand of the world or the devil, you know what direction you're always going to go? It's always going to be down. But he touched a dead body. Today people are scared to death. I mean, look, I, I understand. We've already said, if you don't want to shake hands with people, just cross your arms. It's okay. I'm not offended. I am. I'm not offended. 
I've had more than one person down in Florida. I'm pre- preaching down there, and I'd, I just, I'd put my hand out like this, and they'd go, okay, it's okay. It's all right. I understand people are afraid of getting something on them. All right, but there are a lot of people, you come to a dead body, they don't want to touch that, and that's already past, that's past the point of help or hope at all until Jesus steps inside. And a spotless Savior that can take and touch a man who's filthy from head to toe and make him clean is also the same Savior. You listen to me? He's the same Savior that can touch a dead body, a dead life, and bring it back to life again. You say, preacher, I feel, I feel like I'm dying. I, I don't have anything to live for. I don't have any purpose. Everything I try to do, it just seems like it breaks down. And, and you know, I've tried all kind of different programs and I've tried all kind of different things. You know what I tell you? You need new life and you need it from the one that gives life and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He touched her. He touched a dead body. Look at it with me again. Look at Luke 13. Keep going with me. Come on, I'm preaching all morning now. You just go right ahead. There's somebody that said they didn't appreciate me being gone, so I'm going to preach all night. Amen. Luke 13. Luke 13, Jesus comes upon a woman in verse number 11. Now watch, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. 18 years, that's a long time. And was bowed or bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, now, once you go back and look at verse 11, she had a spirit of infirmity. Generally speaking, infirmity is something that's an infirmary, sickness of the body. I don't think that's, this woman, I think this woman has a sickness that's in her mind, her spirit. Look at it again. She had a spirit of infirmity. In other words, her mind is broken. The things that are inside of her mind, they're broken. Now, whether you want to say, well, that's because she's possessed of a devil, it doesn't say that, but it does say that she's been in this condition 18 years to the point to where she is bowed together. She's at a point mentally, she can't get up, can't move. She's bowed together, and, and, and whatever's going on in her mind has affected her body. And Jesus looks at her and he looses her, but the Bible says that he touches her. Look at that. The Bible says, and he laid his hand on her. How many people in here like to stay away from crazy people? You didn't raise your hand. I hope you get a whole bucket full of them tomorrow then. Hope they're waiting on you when you get to work. I don't want to be around crazy. Listen, people that are always looking at the negative side of life or people that really have mental struggles or, or people that, somebody that is depressed to, to what we call clinical levels today because of all that's going on around them, the idea is that they are, they are struggling so mentally that I can't get up, I can't go to work anymore. I can't go outside anymore. I don't see any joy in life anymore. It's always gray. It's always negative. And just sink deeper and deeper and deeper into that. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad I've got a God that's not afraid to touch somebody like that. I'm glad I've got a God that's not afraid to reach over and touch somebody whose mind is broken. See, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to loose you just, are you just like those three Hebrew boys that got thrown into that furnace. You know what the Bible says about them? They'd been bound, but when they got inside there with the fourth man, are you listening? With the fourth man, they got loosed. This woman got loose, and look, she's happy about it. Some of y'all don't seem to be too happy. Verse 13, he laid his hand on her. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, what a Savior I have. 
been bowed down like this 18 years, didn't get help through the program, didn't get help through the medicine, didn't get help through the psychiatrist, but I got a whole lot of help from one that was spotless. Reach down. Touch my life. Amen. That's a spotless Savior that's doing that. Look at one more, Luke 15. I know you know where we are, but I can't help it. I have to go here. It's a parable. People preach it as if it's a story, probably because there is so much truth to it. It's my story. This young man goes out and wastes his life, and he comes back empty. Doesn't have anything in his pocket because of foolish decisions. Could you help me? If you make foolish decisions, this world will take everything you have. Won't, Won't cry about it. Not only did he come back empty, but he came back thin. There was a famine in the land, and he's come to the point to where he would eat husk, not corn, husk that's in the hog pen. His clothes are loose. And I tell you what, his clothes are ragged and tattered. When he comes back, his clothes, they're ragged, they're tattered, they smell. He's thinner. He looks different. He has nothing with him. Left out with a a whole inheritance. Nothing. And that hog pen, he comes back and the smell is on him. One reason I like barbecue is because not only do you get to eat it and enjoy it, but you get to smell like it three hours after you've eaten it. Amen. (laughs) Just get that smell on you. I want you to look at this now. I know what this story is about the father. The Bible says in verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran. Now look, he touched him. He fell on his neck and kissed him. You see that? You know, sometimes people that smell bad, and I've been around them, smell bad, they look bad, they look sick. Somebody that you're, 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 you're a little bit hesitant maybe to step in and embrace. This boy comes back in that condition. He is, listen, he is thin, emaciated. His clothes are tattered. He stinks. He's all, he has nothing to offer. And as he comes back, the father sees him. And the Bible says when he's yet a great way off that he runs to him and he falls on his neck. Jonah, come here just a minute. Oh, you're too big. Come here, Mark. I can't. So when he touches, again, a spotless Savior, the filth of the pig pen, the filth of where he's been, the tattered clothes, the emaciated body. You know what he does? He falls on his neck. Now, if I turn this way, you can't see anything but Brother Mark's face, really. All you see is what's covered up. I'm glad I've got a Savior. My life's a wreck and it smells and it's empty and, and it, this withering. Yeah, well, I've got a spotless Savior that's not afraid to embrace somebody that's got a filthy life. Amen. You know what the Bible says? They made merry after that. Amen. I used to think having a good time was out in the world. You know what I found out? Having a good time is with God's people and God's book and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do, do you see how he's touching those things, those people? that are filthy. And not only is he willing to touch them, but he has the ability to make them whole. So so let's make practical what I've been preaching. 
if you have sin in your life, trying to cover it up and stick it underneath the carpet somehow and say, boy, if I could just, if I could just get it hidden a little bit better, I'll be all right. You need to quit hiding that stuff. You need to let the Lord Jesus Christ take care of that and get it cleaned, get it covered. Instead of having somebody that's got all this on you, let the Lord take and change your life. Great verse that goes along with that. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, that's verse number 8 we've looked at. I know we've looked at 9. We'll look at 9. I've got one more. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible speaking about you and I. It, it is very difficult for me to forget where I have been in my life because I have a record. And that record is something that's part of my, part of my testimony. Um, I think the best record is that you got saved when you were five and never got out into sin. But nonetheless, it's still part of my record. And yet, look what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, having not, can you say it? Spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without what? So we go from a Savior who's spotless and without blemish, and you have all these filthy people that come to him, all these people with all these issues, and after he gets through with them, the Bible says in heaven, those same people are going to be without spot and without blemish. I'm, I'm, I'm just, hey, I'm just, oh, God. Nobody can do that for you. There are things about our record we can't change. There, there are hopes that we have about what we could become that we never can attain. But I'm telling you right now, if you let God put his hands on your life and you'll be like some of those people that bowed down and said, Lord, I know you can make me clean. He's in the cleaning business and he can clean you up. A spotless Savior that has the ability to make somebody else clean. Amen. Wow. Last verse. Go back, if you would, with me to Hebrews chapter 9, 7. Hebrews 7. I have had a great time preaching about the Lord today. So we, we establish that we have a spotless Savior. He's separate from sinners, and yet... He's willing to touch that which is defiled and corrupt. And then he can take and he can make that which is dirty and filthy, he can make it pure and clean. Amen. But when I read verse 26, I want to read it again. For such an high priest became us who is, present tense, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. The word that I haven't noticed to this point is that word undefiled. The Bible says, and I just want you to look at it, I'm almost finished, stay with me, that Jesus is holy, he is harmless, he is separate from sinners, he is made higher than the heavens, but he is undefiled. You know what's so amazing to me? That somebody that's spotless, that touches somebody that's filthy remains spotless. Did you hear what I said? The Bible doesn't say he was undefiled. The Bible says he is undefiled. 
He hears you and I bring him our worst sins and our worst failures and say, God, and he listens to that, but it doesn't defile his mind. One of the hard things as a pastor, when you hear people talk to you about the filth in their life, it's very hard not to get it on you. That's one reason I don't use certain words in the pulpit. I don't want to create that imagery. It's very, it's very difficult to try to keep that out of your mind. And when you get around somebody, listen, you get around somebody that smokes, they smoke, and you don't go to hell for smoking. You, I've heard somebody say, you smell like you've been there. But um, <laughs> you get around somebody that smokes, it gets on you. It just gets on you. It's part of it. You get out there and you, whatever you do in life, those splatters and those things, they get on you. And yet Jesus can reach over to somebody whose life is eaten up with every filthy thing you could think of. Fornication, uh, lasciviousness, uncleanness, wantonness, uh, murder, lying, adultery, fornication, uh, all that. He reaches over. He can touch somebody that has all of that and he can make them pure. But when he gets through touching them, he's still spotless. <laughs> you know what I say? Wow, what a Savior. There's no defilement in him. He doesn't get defiled in heart, mind, and conscience like we do. He's not defiled in his flesh, his garments, his actions the way we are. He stays spotless, though he touches someone who is covered in filth. And yet, instead of it creeping up on him, he steps back and there's still no spot. You say, why is that important? Well, I'm counting on having a spotless Savior to get me to heaven is what I'm counting on. And I'm grateful that I have that. I'm grateful that I have a spotless Savior who's willing to touch that which is filthy, who's willing to change that which is filthy into something that's pure, and who's able to keep himself unspotted while doing all of that. I can't do that. I rub shoulders. I, I, don't, I don't go into bars and witness anymore. I don't do that. Don't need to be there. I'm afraid that's going to get on me. But Jesus has the ability to reach inside of a bar and touch somebody's heart. He didn't get a spot on him. <laughs> what, what a Savior. What a Savior. You know, maybe this morning, maybe this morning, you'd come and you'd worship that kind of Savior. I'm not telling you, you got to come get clean. I'm just saying, maybe come this morning. Lord, I'm thankful you took my spots and then they're gone. But I'm, 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 I'm grateful you're unspotted. You know, maybe somebody that you love is all spotted. They're covered up. Almost dead. You know, it might be good to get on the altar and just say, Lord, you please, you touch their life. Because I know if you just get to them, it'd make a difference. Maybe you help me get to them. Help me get to them. And then you may have something in your life. It's working underneath. Nobody knows it. It's working underneath. There's a great place to get rid of that. That's at the feet of Jesus Christ. Pastor can't do it for you. Church can't do it for you. But God certainly can. So, Brother Hobart, while you, while you sing, Brother Ken, Miss Judy, while y'all play, let's just have a little invitation day, all right? <clears throat>
I wandered o'er life's stormy road, no hope inside for me. My eyes were blinded by my tears. I could no shelter see. Then I met Jesus, wonderful friend. He loved and saved me. Love without end. Now I am walking close by his side. Storms may surround me. In him I hide. I tried the things that seemed a joy they did not satisfy so burden was my heart with sin oh save me was my cry then I met Jesus Wonderful friend, he loved and saved me, love without end. Now I am walking close by his side, storms may surround me in him. All right. Well, you know, if you listen by way of radio, I don't even know if it's still on the the live stream. Um, If you ever get cleansed by Jesus Christ, you won't have to wonder whether or not you're being cleaned up. Being saved is the sweetest thing this side of heaven. Knowing that I'm clean, knowing that I've had somebody to take care of that. And I'd encourage you to do that. And the rest of us, boy, if you're whiter than snow on the inside... Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise be to the Lamb, a spotless Lamb. Amen. All right, stand to your feet. We'll be dismissed with a good amen or a hallelujah or a glory to God, whichever one of those you think you can get out. All right, go right ahead. There you go. You're dismissed. God bless you.